Key Lessons from Social Movement History by Jamie underscore Harris. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Key Lessons from Social Movement History, published by Jamie underscore Harris on the Effective Altruism Forum. This is a link post for. In this post I summarize key strategic implications from Sentience Institute's five completed social movement case studies and several additional case studies by other researchers looking for correlations and convergent findings across the different movements and contexts. From this evidence, I argue that the farmed animal movement should take steps to avoid unintended consequences from incremental tactics, use a more diverse range of institutional tactics, use fewer individual diet change tactics, primarily as a complement to institutional tactics, explore opportunities to bypass public opinion, and focus less on issue salience. I also argue that the nascent movements to protect the interests of future sentient beings, for example artificial sentience, should focus first on building a credible, professional movement but subsequently invest in a broader range of social movement tactics when promising opportunities arise. Introduction. Sentience Institute has now published five social movement case studies. This post provides a summary of the strategic implications from this work so far. The main goal of these case studies is to glean strategic insights for social movements encouraging moral circle expansion, MCE, especially the farmed animal movement, and the nascent movements to protect the interests of future sentient beings, for example artificial sentience. Other social movements, including the broader effective altruism movement, may also benefit. We have argued. Individual historical cases can therefore provide inspiration for potential tactics and perhaps build our intuition but we should not place much weight on strategic knowledge gained from a single case, because causal relationships may not replicate in different contexts, and may seem to work in contradictory ways. Note, however, that weak evidence can still be useful and should not be disregarded as it is often all we have available. Even if we are not very confident about individual hypothesized causal relationships, we may be able to place significant weight on the strategic knowledge gleaned from history if we see that certain correlations reliably replicate across different movements and across different contexts. In this post, I identify correlations and convergent findings across the different movements and contexts that SI has studied so far. Methodology. The movements we have studied so far are the British anti-slavery movement, the US anti-abortion movement, the US anti-death penalty movement, including brief discussion of Europe, the U.S. Prisoners' Rights Movement, the International Fair Trade Movement. We have a separate post discussing methodological considerations such as why we have chosen to focus on these particular case studies. Our research on this topic is incomplete, so I also draw on similar reports by other researchers associated with the effective altruism community. Animal Charity Evaluators Case Studies of Children's Rights, UK, Sweden, and New Zealand, and Environmentalism, US and Europe. Mauricio Baker's case studies of AND, both with a broad international focus. Vlugimesh Goglos's case study of the U.S. anti-slavery movement. To identify big-picture trends, I assign scores to each movement 1, for a number of different variables. Success, whether the movement encouraged institutional changes, change to individuals' behavior, change in public opinion, or acceptance by targeted institutions. Where I refer to successful social change, I am referring to the average of these four submetrics. My rough impression of the proportion of resources spent by each movement on various tactics. The position taken by each movement on other strategic trade offs, for example, confrontation versus non confrontation. I then estimated Spearman's correlations between the variables and tested for statistical significance, p less than 0.05, 
though there are many limitations to this sort of correlational historical evidence and to statistical tests with small sample sizes too. Looking more closely at specific case studies, I identify a number of other findings that seem to hold true in multiple contexts, even though I did not find significant correlational evidence for them from across the full set of case studies 3. The anti-abortion and anti-death penalty movements provide a number of strategic implications relating to the causes and effects of U.S. Supreme Court rulings. These implications were analyzed in more depth in a separate report and so are not included here. Full lists of strategic implications. The full results of the scoring and correlational analysis are recorded in a spreadsheet. The full list of repeat findings from the qualitative, comparative analysis are reported in a second spreadsheet, ordered by strength of evidence. The write-up below provides discussion on the strategic implications most relevant to prevailing practices in the farmed animal movement and the movements for future sentient beings, following additional qualitative analysis and synthesis of the findings identified by the above two methods. This means that, while potentially important, some of the recommendations below have relatively weak supporting evidence. Recommendations for the farmed animal movement. Take steps to reduce risks of unintended negative consequences from incremental tactics. Animal advocates often debate whether it is better to focus on welfare reforms or the abolition of animal farming without intermediary, incremental steps. Disagreement is partly due to differing ethical views, for example consequentialism versus deontology, and partly due to differing strategic views about whether welfare reforms lead to momentum or complacency for future progress. The case studies have implications for the latter component of the debate. Similar concerns that incremental reforms may encourage complacency have been raised in other movements, such as worries that the U.S. Supreme Court's procedural reforms to the death penalty may have legitimated and encouraged the imposition of death sentences in lower courts by assuaging anxiety and the sense of responsibility for the decision. There is some weak evidence for these specific concerns, for, though the case studies also provide evidence that incremental reforms do not prevent subsequent, more radical reforms. 5. Some incremental social movement tactics seem to have had various other kinds of unintended negative consequences. 6. The American Law Institute's model penal code seems to have been intended to fundamentally challenge capital punishment, but it was widely used to introduce and defend new state-level death penalty legislation that complied with restrictive law 7. Litigation to improve conditions for U.S. prisoners may have encouraged an increase in the number of prisons constructed, and an enlargement of the prison administration bureaucracy 8. The fair trade movement's engagement with mainstream companies seems to have led to a lowering of fair trade certification scheme standards 9. Another risk is that incremental tactics distract advocates' attention from more important political and systemic issues. The U.S. prisoners' rights movement won small palliative welfare reforms for prisoners while doing little to halt the increasing number of prisoners and more punitive treatment of criminals. 10. The fair trade movement has made very limited efforts to address the unfavorable tariffs and international trade regulations that are arguably the root cause of the problems it seeks to address. 11. Neglecting these trends may have been a major strategic mistake though it's not clear whether advocates could have affected them. There are many good reasons to use incremental tactics, 12, and most advocates who do so would presumably agree that, all else equal, it's preferable to choose incremental tactics that are unlikely to have unintended negative consequences. However, I'll worry that the farmed animal movement doesn't pay enough attention specifically to reducing these risks. I recommend that advocates avoid presenting incremental steps as a solution to the problem, for example via idealized imagery of animals in improved conditions or messages like end animal cruelty. Maintain a strategic focus on the bigger picture and long-term goals of the movement. Switch tactics if wider societal shifts begin to happen that threaten the movement's overall goals and successful counter-mobilization seems tractable. For example, 
the suffering caused by a rapid increase in insect farming could outweigh the value of all welfare gains won by the farmed animal movement to date. Use fewer individual diet change tactics, primarily as a complement to institutional tactics. The case studies have strategic implications for another foundational question in effective animal advocacy, whether the farmed animal movement should focus its messages and interventions on changing institutions and social norms rather than changing consumer diets. The largest U.S. farmed animal advocacy organization spent 46% of their resources on influencing public opinion and individual dietary behavior in 2016, but the case studies suggest that marketing and efforts to raise public awareness have limited effects on behaviors. The U.S. anti-slavery movement engaged in a large-scale campaign of moral suasion, but the free produce consumer movement that arose from it failed to attract significant numbers of adherents 13. Although assessing causation is difficult, it seems unlikely that the widespread use of grassroots and direct action tactics has directly contributed much, if at all, to the modest decline in the number of abortions in the U.S. since the 1980s. There is some survey and experimental evidence suggesting that tactics focused specifically on individual decision-making regarding abortions have little or no effect 14. There is evidence that marketing efforts have increased awareness of fair trade, but high awareness and support have not led to widespread changes in consumer behavior 15. More positively, campaigns by the U.S. government and others have encouraged widespread participation in recycling 16. In comparison, the largest U.S. farmed animal advocacy organizations only spent 7% of their resources on influencing policy and the law in 2016, 17, but some of the findings from the case studies suggest positive outcomes from legislative tactics, 18. Legislative change can positively affect individual behavior. Legislative change can positively affect public opinion. Once influential institutions in one country or region adopt a value, they can influence institutions elsewhere to adopt the same value. Direct lobbying efforts sometimes make the difference between victory or defeat in closely fought legislative campaigns. The anti-slavery and anti-abortion movements provide evidence that legislative change can occur before the behaviors that will be regulated have changed 19. This challenges the intuition shared by many animal advocates that the successes of individual and institutional tactics are interdependent. However, I found that successful institutional change is positively correlated with change to individuals' behavior. For example, the anti-slavery movement successfully encouraged both reduction of purchases of slave-made goods and legislation that abolished slavery, whereas only a small proportion of global trade is in certified fair trade goods and there have been few institutional changes specifically to encourage fair trade purchasing or values. So the success of these different types of tactics seems at least mutually complementary. There is evidence from the fair trade movement and other ethical consumerism movements that individuals who participate in consumer action are more likely to participate in other forms of activism 20. Additionally, the boycotts of West Indian sugar seem to have built momentum for the legislative campaigns of the British anti-slavery movement 21. The case studies also show that consumer action can be taken by individuals who would otherwise be unlikely to contribute to a social movement. Boycotts of slave-produced West Indian sugar were led and encouraged by women who lacked political power or other opportunities for advocacy 22. The vast majority of the U.S. population, including people with low support for environmentalism, recycle at least occasionally 23. Some individuals who would probably not usually donate to help the world's poorest people still intentionally buy fair trade products 24. As we have argued before, Convergent evidence suggests that the farmed animal movement should shift some of its resources from tactics focused on individual diet change towards legislative and other institutional tactics. Where advocates continue to engage in individual tactics, they should proactively optimize for movement-building outcomes, 
such as contacting people who successfully participated in vegan pledge programs, offering follow-up support to involve them more deeply in the movement. Proactively optimize for institutional outcomes, such as utilizing forms of publicity that might be more persuasive to potential institutional partners than to individual consumers and following up with the reached institutions. Target individual focus tactics primarily towards audiences who would otherwise be unlikely to contribute to the farmed animal movement, such as focusing on mainstream consumers rather than encouraging people who already eat mostly vegan food and identify with veganism to become fully vegan. When possible to suggest multiple ways that individuals can help animals, de-emphasize diet change relative to suggestions that they become active in support of institutional campaigns, such as joining groups like Hen Heroes and the Fast Action Network. Diversify institutional tactics beyond corporate campaigns. There are many possible institutional tactics that the farmed animal movement can use. Among these, the farmed animal movement primarily focuses on influencing industry in various ways. The case studies suggest that pressure tactics can be effective at challenging companies 25. There is evidence from beyond the case studies that corporate welfare campaigns can be highly cost-effective on short timeframes and that welfare reforms encourage momentum for further change. However, I found among the case studies that successful social change was negatively correlated with the use of corporate campaigns and negotiations. For example, the anti-slavery and children's rights movements, among the most successful, spent little on corporate campaigns, while the less successful anti-abortion and fair trade movements spent relatively more 26. Additionally, it seems likely that each type of institutional tactic has some low-hanging fruit. For example, the anti-abortion, anti-death penalty, and fair trade movements provide evidence that it is especially tractable to pressure companies to stop selling a particular product type if it makes up only a small proportion of their profit margins 27. The anti-death penalty and anti-slavery movements first won legislative successes in areas where the targeted practices were not in regular use 28. The U.S. anti-death penalty and prisoners' rights movements seem to have been weakened by their narrow focus, at times, on litigation while neglecting other strategies. 29. While the anti-abortion movement shows that advocates who successfully push through controversial legislation may need to defend that legislation in the courts 30. Hence, investing small amounts of resources in a variety of institutional tactics may generate surprisingly high gains for animals. Explore opportunities to bypass public opinion. My impression is that farmed animal advocates often believe that legislative change is intractable without favorable public opinion. The case studies provide some support for this belief, suggesting that public opinion can positively affect legislative policymaking 31. However, the case studies also provide evidence that 32. Advocates can start successfully publicly advocating for institutional change even if they don't yet have public support. Legislative change can occur without public support for that change. The attitude of policymakers is a more important determinant of legislative outcomes than public opinion. Changing public opinion requires substantial resources. Combined with the arguments above about the importance of legislative and other institutional tactics, this suggests that in some instances the movement should appeal to influencers and institutional decision-makers directly without worrying about first securing favorable public opinion. However, this only seems wise in certain circumstances, since, I, it seems easier to introduce and implement unpopular laws if voters in the state do not have ready access to ballot initiatives or referenda, and, two, politicians are incentivized to be more sensitive to public opinion on morality issues, for example a ban on factory farming, than on technical issues, for example food labeling regulations 33. Of course, Favorable public opinion can be useful for other reasons. 34. I found that change in public opinion is positively correlated with change to individuals' behavior. 
Besides, tactics that focus on education and attitudinal change might be important. I found that the use of such tactics is positively correlated with successful social change. For example, the successful anti-slavery, children's rights, and European anti-death penalty movements spent a high proportion of their resources on such tactics, whereas the less successful U.S. anti-abortion and U.S. prisoners' rights movements spent lower proportions on them. However, there is less evidence on the optimal educational and attitudinal tactics and it seems intuitively plausible that the usefulness of these tactics could owe to their role in mobilizing supporters, rather than successfully changing public opinion. Focus less on increasing issue salience. We've argued before that the farmed animal movement should stop using publicity stunts and gimmicks such as sexualized images of women in cute, cartoonish animal costumes. Animal advocates sometimes justify the use of these tactics in terms of increasing public awareness and attention to farmed animal issues, i.e. increasing issue salience. While there may be some benefits to increasing issue salience, our case studies provide weak evidence that high issue salience can decrease the tractability of legislative change, 35, which is evidence against tactics that are aimed at increasing salience. This might be especially so if advocates are trying to push through unpopular policies 36, high-issue salience might also make it harder to encourage further attitude change 37. Many tactics not explicitly focused on salience can still affect it. For example, there is evidence that institutional tactics can increase the salience of an issue 38. Recommendations for the movements for future generations of sentient beings. The findings and strategic implications discussed above are also relevant to the movements for future generations of sentient beings. For example, legislative tactics seem promising, and it seems important to take care to avoid unintended negative consequences. Below, I highlight two other implications that seem important for these nascent movements. Focus first on building a credible, professional movement. There has been discussion in the effective altruism community about whether EA and various associated movements should focus narrowly on specific professional groups or on the broader population 39. Comparisons of tactics used at different times within particular movements suggest that social change is more likely to occur if credible professional groups and institutions advocate for change before broader participation and pressure is encouraged. The US ADPM's fairly successful recent moratorium efforts were first driven by European political institutions, the American Bar Association, and Supreme Court justices, then supplemented by grassroots initiatives. By comparison, the early 20th century ADPM focused first on state-level, grassroots legislative campaigns, which gave way to a centralized litigation effort that culminated only in a temporary victory through the Furman v. Georgia ruling 40. The British Anti-Slavery Movement's Abolition Committee was led by MPs, and some of the first ally-led anti-slavery advocacy was through litigation. It was from this platform that the movement turned towards mobilizing grassroots support. Britain was among the first countries to ban the slave trade and then to emancipate slaves 41. The later American Anti-Slavery Society seems to have had a less professional leadership and focused initially on widespread anti-slavery messaging. Membership numbers grew rapidly, but U.S. advocates failed to win victories for slaves until they changed their approach 42. The U.S. anti-abortion movement seems to have had more of a public-facing focus than its abortion rights opponents at several points where it suffered major defeats 43. Given the technical nature of many of the issues that the movements for future generations of sentient beings seem likely to focus on, for example complex regulatory topics, research to address specific risk factors, decision-makers may not be very sensitive to public opinion anyway 44, of course, the cutoff point at which a movement should start opening the door to broad, public-facing campaigns will be unclear. Use other promising tactics. Many successful tactics in the case studies do not yet seem to be an important part of some movements for future generations. 45. 
Pressure tactics can be effective at challenging companies. Consumer action can be taken by individuals who would otherwise be unlikely to contribute to a social movement. Encouraging consumer action can build momentum for institutional campaigns. Media coverage can encourage institutional change. Selecting and encouraging the most compelling issue framings in public discourse can have substantial effects on public opinion. As argued above, it may be premature to use public-facing tactics. Additionally, some of these tactics may never be viable, comparably to how there seem to have been no opportunities for consumer action in the anti-death penalty or prisoners' rights movements 46. Thanks for listening to help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.